Minnesota basketball fans, welcome back to the Living in Loserville podcast. He's Aaron. I'm Chris. And we're here to talk some Timberwolves slash Gophers basketball. And it was a pretty damn well good weekend, right? Um, Gophers got a win shorthanded at that um, in the barn against the Rutgers teams who, who had been playing pretty good of late. I think they're like fifth or sixth in the in the Big Ten right now. Big, big win. We talked about how last week we needed to stop the bleeding, and they definitely stopped the bleeding with that win. Since we last spoke, the Gophers, not the Gophers, but the Timberwolves are 2-1. and one. So we'll kind of, uh, you know, that Knicks game was last Tuesday, so there's only a couple of things that we'll talk about that. But last night, a really solid win. Um you know, against Brooklyn, who's a solid team, no matter who's on the court. They were missing uh, a key component, of course, but they're a deep roster, and they still are star-studded. Uh, so that's anytime you get a dub over them, that works. The Atlanta game, the third quarter, messed up the Timberwolves in a variety of ways. So we'll talk about what the hell was going on in that game. Two specific calls that were like, Okay, I mean, that's a foul, but what? <laughs> like, it's just a little extra stuff there. So we'll talk all about it. I think the Timberwolves sit at the seventh seed as we speak. It's kind of been going, you know, from seven to eight to seven to nine to seven, kind of all over the place. I think the Lakers lost and the Clippers lost, so that helps in general. But obviously, you know, <laughs> three weeks into April, is when it all really counts, and that is, of course, the playoffs. So we're going to get into this in just a moment. If this is your first time listening to the Living in Loserville podcast, welcome. It's available in a variety of ways. It streams live on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope radio. Uh, you don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope It Open. Download the show there. Listen to the browser. You can find this year's Timberwolves slash Gophers podcast. On the Rope and Dope Radio Podcast, Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Amazon Music. We're also part of the Grueling Truth Sports Podcast Network. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com. And another way is our Living in Loserville Spricker page that Aaron set up a, a little over a year ago. Um, so check that out. He has some other podcasts as well there. Living in Loserville Spricker. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, i got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99 a month. It's the best of live TV and on-demand. No annual contracts, no hidden fees. If you upgrade to the Choice Package or Ultimate Package, that'll give you three free months of HBO Max. Plus, you get to enjoy regional sports networks with no additional fees, which you are finding that with Bally's, you know, to watch the Timberwolves. It gets hard on some of these cable packages, and they're starting to charge for it. Hopefully, they come out with that app here. I heard it's coming here soon, um, where you can pay 10 or 15 bucks and see anything on Bally's. That would be cool. But anyway, Premier Package, that'll give you HBO Max and Showtime. That's direct TV stream. So, you know, the podcast is obviously called <laughs> Living in Loserville, but that was not the case the last you know, seven days since we last spoke last Monday. Um, there's not a lot of positivities January, February, March, and April for the Timberwolves, generally speaking. 
but there is a ton of them right now in the Gophers, Aaron. Got a much-needed win, and we got it from a variety of vets and a guy that's been a Gopher twice. And then, you know, some some folks that might, you know, that will be here next year that are young. I, it's just a good team win in general. It was It was just... I'm glad for the squad and Ben Johnson that they, you know, because they had, what would they get to one and four, one and five in conference? They really needed that. Yeah, they did. And, you know, you got a pretty good performance out of like Peyton Willis. And, you know, and is that expected? I'm not sure. But like you said, Rutgers isn't a terrible Big Ten team. And you've been on the snipe for a while in the Big Ten. So it was nice to get a win there. And then you're right about the positivity late January, early February. It's like, very little to find, and it's been cold, and then, you know, not so cold, and snow, and then not so much snow for a while, and so the Timberwolves are playing pretty well, and that's a little positivity as well. I mean, it could be the opposite. You could be watching a, I think we did some last year where there was like two-week spans of no wins from either squad, so that definitely isn't the case this year, and I'm glad for it. Yeah, no doubt about it. We'll start with the Timberwolves, and um, that fourth quarter, you know, it was nice to see ever since the Knicks started winning, <laughs> because they've sucked for quite a while. They did uh, make the playoffs last year. It's funny, the Knicks in Atlanta, the two teams we played during the week last week, Tuesday and Thursday, both of those teams played each other, and they were pretty much surprises on the East, especially Atlanta, how far they went. They're struggling right now. They're missing a couple of players, but they did have probably their best two players. They were missing a little bit of depth. But the Knicks game, you know, whenever the Knicks are just pretty decent, um, which is kind of where they're at right this moment anyway in the season, they had a better year last year. But um, that place is just jumping MSG. And it was nice to see the squad in a tight-ass game the Knicks actually, with like a little under eight minutes to go, had a five or six point lead. Uh, we had a couple of miscommunication type turnovers. Um, what I liked about it, though, both bigs, Robinson, who isn't some sort of like all star player, but he's just big. He's a big freaking guy, and he was active, at least against us. I haven't watched a ton of Knicks this year. He followed out fairly early. I think the. I think it was like 98 to 97. I think they were down. And then 90 seconds later, um, it kind of went back and forth. But Kemba started going off. But then Gibson followed out, who also, as we know from the 2017-18 season, just a solid vet. A lot of folks, uh, you know, uh, in the media were like, man, why Gibson's a dinosaur. He's not even going to be in this league anymore. Why do we even have him on the team? Well, he's doing still pretty good to this day. What is it? 2022. Yeah. So he's still there. Um, it was kind of crazy though. Down the stretch, Cat missed this uh, this open layup that kind of came to him late. It wasn't an easy layup, but it was just one of those things where it just came off and you're like, really dude, what the hell? D'Lo ended up hitting two free throws, tightening the game to one. McDaniels missed a free throw. We missed a couple of free throws down the stretch, but with 29.3 left, Cat, uh, Ant had a steal in that realm too. But, yeah, that's what it was. He passed it to McDaniels, wide open three, missed it. We just had 
moments where it could have been more of a comfortable win, but that's okay. They got the job done. Cat got an end one, finished it, and uh, the the Knicks kind of, you know, they missed the free throw down the stretch as well, actually. Um, but, man, that was a good, good win in a in a hostile environment. And Cat with these end ones, we talked about last week, I think I mentioned this, that he was second in the league in N1s and also first as far as finishing him, hitting the free throws. And that was – you don't get a lot of cat late game per se because usually they're just going to clog the lane on him. But he was he was like, no, nah, we're getting this W, even though it kind of looked like this game was going to get away from us um, down the stretch of that uh, Knicks game at MSG. Well, it's nice to see, like you said, like cat down the stretch. I think a lot of times it's sort of a liability because if he doesn't get the calls that he thinks he's going to get, they'll you know he'll throw a fit or something like that. But um, he's been getting the calls more, and I think that's just due to the team winning a little bit more often. And like you said, he had clutch, you know, uh, and one there, and he's been kind of getting Chris. If you noticed some of the calls that maybe he wouldn't have got last year, a few he's getting a few more of those. And, I mean, some of them were pretty bad last year, which is pretty blatant. But due to his behavior and the team's lack of success, I think probably wasn't getting those calls. But now he is sort of, and especially in a clutch moment like that, you need him to get those calls, especially if you're going to go to him late. I mean, you have other options. But if you're late in the game and you're down two and you've got Cat and their center's fouled out, I mean, that seems like easy money and, you know, wasn't exactly, but it got the job done, like you said. So I thought it was a good performance up against Tibbs again. And um, we talked a little bit about that's always the name we can never remember, Taj Gibson. And mm. like, what a great piece that would be for us right now. It's almost exactly what we need. Maybe a couple years younger would be, you know, perfectly uh, to make it, you know, the best case scenario. But he's a big guy rebounding defense, block shots, kind of the power forward that we're looking for. And so always good to see him. Glad he's still in the league. And I've just been a fan of him for a while. And the league is better when the Knicks are good. And the Knicks aren't great yet, but they're good. And like you said, MSG gets rocking when when that's the case. Yeah, that is a good point, too. I mean, obviously the league offices want the Knicks to be good uh, just because of the sheer size of the market. But, man, don't let Brooklyn and the Knicks get good. Golly, that conference final would be crazy. Um, So we talked about, hey, let's split on the road then. We can get one of these. And the Atlanta game, although I really love the focus early on in, in, you know, good, pretty much the first half of the game, um, 42 to 28 or something like that, Ant and D'Lo going off. That was after, that was in the first quarter. Uh, You know, the Hawks made a small little run. Um, D'Lo went back for back threes. It's 56-41 with seven minutes left to go. D'Lo had like 18 early, and I'm pretty sure, uh, pretty sure Ant wasn't far behind. He, he looked like he had. I think D'Lo ended up with 31. It looked like both of those guys were going to go for 30 that night. Once again, the Hawks kind of shrink some of the lead, um, and get it down to like nine or 10. But then at half, 73-61. So I really like the energy coming out. But these last few games, the third quarter has been kind of herky-jerky. And the, you'd expect the Hawks, you know, especially at home, they're an offensive juggernaut still. 
their defense this year is lacking, no doubt about it. That's what made them down the stretch last year so good and in the playoffs that they could score and defend. Um, like I said, they are missing a couple of, uh, of solid pieces, but they made a run. And before you know it, it's probably three, four minutes in to the third quarter. They're up 78-75. It's kind of a grinded-out game over the next couple of minutes, and I think right around the six-minute mark, so two minutes later, something like that, Ant gets ejected. Um, and it it was one of those things that the ref just took it personal, and a lot of folks were talking about this so much so that they, you know, printed the rule area in the rule book. Like, okay, this is actually what the ref's supposed to do. And this has been like this, Aaron, for a couple of years now. They say they're trying to get the refs, once they call a tech, to just walk away or kind of walk away from the scenario, turn your head and just walk. So let the player, or especially the coach, <laughs> and usually it is a coach, um, just calm down a little bit, you know. But it was kind of crazy because the ref looked at that like two different scenarios, and just to back-to-back tech him, it was it just felt like he was just getting emotional and took it personal because that was just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean it was hard to tell exactly what was going on, but I think you kind of nailed it. It's they were. Yeah, I mean, the rule is what? That they're supposed to back up and kind of de-escalate the situation. I mean, that's what it's in the guidelines, I suppose. It's not really a rule, but but to kind of escalate it in the sense that you, you know, you text somebody and then looking around for someone else to text, it's like, okay, well, was something said there perhaps? Or was has it been an ongoing conversation for the other part of the game? And finally, the ref is, you know, fed up with it. Um, it's hard to really tell. I don't know. I didn't really see any of the interviews. Chris, you probably did, but um, if they, if like Ant explained what, what was going on, but you know, I mean, they have egos too, and that's the way it goes sometimes, it's particularly the NBA. The refs are way more involved uh, as far as yeah. per- personally uh, with the players. So I, you know, anything could have been said, anything could have been done. It could have been a holdover from a game ago. You just don't know, but yeah, you're right. It was, it was weird. I mean, it's a it's a it's a tech. Okay, cool. That's a technical. <laughs> cool tech. It's not like he got a tech earlier in the game, and that's what got him out. There was just no second incident in the game. He, he's like, well, you yelled at me from a distance, and then you came up to me and yelled at me. Whatever, scream, yell, talk to, very, you know, like very mean. I don't know what it was, but you just don't double text someone. It'd be different if Ant pushed him or something like that or threw the ball. Like he got text, picked up the ball and threw it at, in the crowd or something like that or down the court. But it was it, it just didn't line up with what they're supposed to, you know, rule. But then later in the quarter, actually at the end of the quarter, um, Atlanta's, I think they've gone up by like eight by now. So Carl Anthony Towns fades away, and he does kick his leg out. And anyway, they, they give him a foul. They give the player that tried to defend him a foul, and he he actually makes the shot and then looks down on him. So, okay, here's the problem, though, and this is like call it both ways or don't call it. Like two plays before that or something like that, literally, um, that same guy, you know, got in Towns' face, <laughs> And said something, no tech, no nothing. 
But then it was a, it's crazy though. So they, the, the, the quarter's over. They go and look at it during a timeout. They come back, burn some more time to look at it. And then they say, okay, we actually, hold on. We got to play the end of the third quarter a little bit because that's actually a, a, a flagrant. The kick was a flagrant fall, right? And I do think he, like the fadeaway dirt move, you do kick your feet, but I think his his foot was a little high, and that's what made it a little awkward. Like, was that a kick, or were you trying to do something there? But then they also, so they they gave him a flagrant and then teched him for talking. They actually didn't talk shit. He just the dude was on the ground and he, he eyeballed him. But that's a that's like all right, cool. One of those are a foul, but you got to call it both ways. The dude literally like two minutes earlier got in his face clearly and didn't get it called. And, you know, then we go over like Joe Kick and a couple other people just this week just going off on the refs way more than what Ant did, no tech, you know. And, and some of that I get with Ant when he's younger. The double tech was bullshit. But I've really never seen too many times where they go to check to see if he got the ball away at the end of the quarter and then be like, you know what, take the points off. It's a flagrant fall, which – it's just kind of weird. I think it should have just been a foul. I don't think it was a flagrant foul. He didn't hurt anybody. Um, and then he got a tech, too. It was like, what the hell is going on, man? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell. You have, like, uh, certain refs. Maybe it's a situation where this ref has always been a thorn in our side. And so, you know, I don't know his name. I'm not, you know, familiar with the referees' names in the NBA, but or, or their histories, for that matter, but. You know, it's been a long time since we've been battling with these referees, and I'm not saying that this is the case, but speculating is like, well, you know, maybe this guy has something against somebody. I don't know. I don't know what to say about it, but you're right. It was, it seemed like a little heavy handed. Both actually, all three of those texts seemed a little heavy handed. And I, there has to be some history there. There has to be some explanation other than, you know, the usual home cooking or whatever it is, but right. uh, I can't explain it, Chris. I mean, you're right about the kick and and the the guy was talking in his face. I mean, that's a retaliatory standover. Seems pretty normal and tame for the situation. So I don't know what was going on there, but um, I think you're right in your assessment. Is it just doesn't? It just it seemed odd in the course of the game. Yeah, and that guy. I, I'm- it's like Dave something. I can't remember his damn name now, but he, they, you know, he seems like a pretty even killed guy as a track record. But, um, <clears throat> like you mentioned, I don't know the detail of this guy. I've definitely heard his name multiple times. I've seen plenty of games he ref, but it was, it just seemed weird, man. It just seemed really weird. Now, um, D'Lo kept going off. A couple other players played well. They, they, they didn't get just stomped after that, but it was hard to, like, make a full run uh, without Ant. And Pat Bev had twisted his ankle as well. We kind of forgot to mention that. So, you know, it just we just couldn't get all the way back in the game. We tried to make it a game, but never really got fully back. So you're thinking, okay, one and one, it is what it is. We got a couple of days off now, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I was wondering if Pat Bev would make it back. He didn't. Doesn't sound like it's a high ankle where he'd be out for two more weeks or anything like that. They're probably, you know, at his age, you just be careful, give him an extra day off if he needs it or whatever. 
I haven't really heard too much about it, but um, you know, the, I, they 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 gave a, the guys a couple of nights off just to kind of rest. They've been on the road a lot lately, so I felt pretty good at one and one in having that. Like I said, time off. Now, anytime you can face the Brooklyn Nets without uh, Kevin Durant is a good day. Yes, they still have Harden, and yes, they still have Kyrie, who went for 30. But it's a good day. It's like, hey, this becomes a winnable game. And, um, you know, they Ant and D'Lo once again got it popping early and often. I think within like four to five minutes, D'Lo had ten points. Um, Ant hit a couple threes right away. And one of them, he's getting the shooter's touchdown. One of them bounced on the rim twice and went in. I was like, oh, boy. And starting to get the shooters touch. And then, of course, Noel came in. I think he had 11 first-half points, got a nice N1. And it was 37-36, pretty much a score fest um, in the first quarter. Once again, we got some bench play, Aaron. Um, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, this is the fun one. This is the one I'm, I want to talk about because the, the scoring was spread out. Um it was a lively game. Yeah, it wasn't a hell of a lot of defense played, obviously, at 125-136 to finish the game. But um, like you said, you, you got to kind of give it an asterisk because Durant wasn't there. But I thought it was one of the better performances I had seen of the season. And, you know, you mentioned Noel. Prince played well and hit a good three. Uh, McDaniel showed up uh, defensively and in transition and in the three-point line. So I thought, you know, what happened in the – Hawks game might have been a matchup thing, I think, with the bench, why we kind of struggled in the third. But in this one, it seemed like we had the upper hand as far as matchup goes for the bench. And I think it showed, you know, uh, later in the game as well as probably close to the end of the second half. So I thought it was a well-rounded thing. I mean, you've got what, well, Vanderbilt had nine points, but there's what, two, four, six, eight players in double figures. And, uh, you know, nobody has a real high number. Edwards at 25, but Towns at 23, Russell at 23. So you get that, but then you get, you know, double digits from other people. And it just seemed like a performance that if you could bottle it and use it on a nightly basis, this is, this is one of those ones you want to, you want to find. Yeah. I mean, at half, the, the Wolves bench was 10 of 11 from the field. Nas Reed was even blocking shots. He had one really athletic block. Um, Ant down the stretch of the uh, second quarter had a beautiful end one. And at half, you know, comfortably up by 10 points. I think they were 17 of 19 from the line, which is really cool. And, and we talked about how these third quarters of late have been a little funky. Uh, last night, the tr- for a while there, the, the uh, second chance points, I think, were um, 15 to 4. So that definitely, you know, we needed an improvement there. McDaniels hit two clutch threes where we really needed it. Um, down, I think it was 86, 80, 74 after those to kind of spread them back out and get a nice lead. Cat had another N1 down the stretch. Um, and it was 102.95 because, you know, Brooklyn stayed around. Kyrie had like 22 points early in the fourth. Like I mentioned, at, you know, got, I think he had 30. And with 9.44 to play, it was 106-102. So they had come, you know, far back. But the the nice little spurt to make it 11, 111 to 102, then 117-105, literally 
from 944 to 754 to 601. It's now a 13-point game. And Cat, who had been quiet, had a big, big fourth quarter. Or, yeah, five for five, 13 points. Like you mentioned, Prince didn't miss a shot. Three of three from three-point land, six of six. Um, the only in, – in two more and ones down the stretch, too. I'd like to check up on that stat. I bet he's leading it now, Cat. But the only negative thing was and at the end – of the game was limping, but he did kind of, you know, there's no uh, official statement or announcement, but on IG he said, I'm good, basically. Like, we're, we're good. Everything's good. It just uh, tweaked the little thing. We're going to be okay. So that was the only negative. Like, whoa, 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 what, what just happened? What, what happened? Um, so, yeah, I mean, like you said, the Durant thing, you know, it, it is what it is. As we know, you know, when we, we – the last two seasons – well, not this season, but the previous two seasons, you know, Cat missed an extended amount of time with a variety of stuff, a wrist, COVID, like all sorts of stuff. So we, it all counts in the, on the ledger, you know, so that, that's what, that's what it's all about. But the one kind of weird thing about this season, and we mentioned it minorly last week, was the offense, how they're still kind of stuttering, still kind of figuring it out. Obviously the COVID, um, you know, time didn't help us on the court per se, but they were talking a lot in the presser last night, how the post presser, how seeing those guys out of necessity spreading the ball, um, it kind of is like, you know, we're, we're trying to find our spots. We're trying to get used to our lineup and the rotations and everybody kind of figuring each other out because shit, it's still only like, less than yeah, 50 games or, or 55 games that they've, the big threes even played together. So, but it, it doesn't seem like there's this big push to get shots up from the big three right now. It's like, who has the hot hand? They're moving the ball more. And they talked a lot about that last night, uh, how just watching, sitting on the COVID sidelines, watching this, you know, second unit plus like dudes that haven't been in the NBA for a little bit, spreading the ball and ever since you know they hit the ground running ever since uh they got all they got fully back from uh, the COVID issue yeah and it's the stuff that you want to see like ball movement <clears throat> I can remember a couple plays maybe a couple weeks ago where it was nine ten passes before a shot it's stuff that you're not used to seeing from the Timberwolves and even in the NBA itself and I think that's a huge thing um as well as you know a lot of this rotation stuff, Chris, like you, like you said, like mixing who in at the right time against who matchups, things like that. Um, and there's some, a lot of teams you're not going to see a lot. You're not going to see a lot of the nets. You're not going to see a lot of the Hawks during the season. So I think you, know, you can watch film and you can do all this stuff but when you put your guys against their guys and start to see the matchups and what works and what doesn't. And you have to kind of go on the fly there and see what's going to work for you that night and, I think Finch does a pretty good job of that. I think maybe in the in the Hawks game, he kind of, you know, maybe tried a few things that he probably wouldn't try again. But um, in this game, I thought he matched up pretty well. And then you got hot hands coming off the bench, which is always good, but you can't really depend on that. You just kind of have to go with the flow on that. And I think a good shooting night from Russell, a good shooting night from Ant, and, you know, Cat just doing his work in the post is probably what you're going to have to depend on and just see what you can get from the bench on a nightly basis. And Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. I think offensively, that's kind of where they're finding 
what works and what doesn't. And hopefully that's what we're seeing here now is like a growth maturation process and also a little bit of experimentation as to what might work. Um, that's what I'm, that's what I'm hanging my hat on for it. I don't think it's something that's going to last, but I think it's something that a few more games, you know, can kind of get your rotation where you want it and know what you have and what at times of need, what to use. And that's where I think we're at right now as far as the progression of the squad is going. Yeah. And it, like I was saying in January, since January, you know, the NBA is kind of a month by month thing or, or an every 10 game by 10 game, you know, the, I mean, that's basically what it breaks down to. And, you know, ever since we became more full strength anyway and got a good, you know, we know Pat's out again a little bit, but pretty much full strength. Uh, they're six and three in those games. I think they're seven and three in their last 10, if I'm not mistaken, which is, you know, big because there was that four and one stretch on games we need to win against teams that are, you know, ranked lower than us off record. So we, we got to win most of those games. But um, since January, turn the clock in nine games. Uh, the number one offense in the NBA at 119 per 100 possessions is uh, the Timberwolves, still in the 16 range on defense. Now we have played some more offensive juggernauts. We got more of those coming up. So that kind of skews some of that number. But overall, a four net rating of a plus seven. Um, and another thing here, uh, someone pointed out, you know, we're already at 23 game or 23 wins. Um, and there's still 36 games on the schedule. It took pretty deep into the season to get to 23 wins. Um, so we just got to keep everything kind of, uh, in front of us. But 23 and 23 right now is a damn good schedule. And you could even bring it back to, you know, when we, we got off to a nice start, we lost D'Lo and Pat Bev, one on like a six game losing streak. And since then we're 20 and 16 and that, that's COVID as well. We're, we're top 10, uh, top 10 in both offensive defense, but it was after those, that six straight loss where, uh, you know, we just kind of got our shit together, the old player meeting thing, but the player meeting, you know, we could talk about that because every sport has a player meeting. If there's a team, right? Like we, we really got to, whether it's like a number one seed that lost three in a row or like us that lose seven in a row or six in a row. Um, but Pat Bev, they they keep talking about how he just, like, went to every player and says, what is your role, and that's what we need out of you, and that's it for right now. And he really kind of broke it down. Uh, and, and sometimes you need that in-between from the coach to the player. And Pat Bev, even though he's not playing, he looks like an assistant coach out there on the bench. Yeah, he doesn't. You're right. You kind of need that, I guess you could say, liaison between the – coach and the players or somebody at least can enforce in the locker room what the coach is trying to get across and and maybe hit the bullet points that the coach wants to stress and I think that's what Pat Bev does um for the squad whether he's suiting up or not uh, I like to watch him play I think you know defensively in three-point shots and like I said he adds a little bit of fire to the squad and I think that's his role and you know it'd be interesting to hear what they had to say about what their roles were um you know, when they were asked the question, I think that'd be an interesting thing to hear, but we're not privy to that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm still a little bit questionable about some of the rotations, but like if it works, it works. And I get some better ideas out there. I'm not going to really outline them at the moment, but, um, 
you know, I'm just happy that you 23 wins at this point, Chris is, is an amazing feat for this team. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be, uh, I don't want to say a 30 wins, you know, to get 10 more out of it. It's, it's hard to tell what the, with COVID and the injuries and blah, blah, blah. I just don't want to say anything. I don't want to put anything out into the universe right now. I just want it to continue to be like it is at the moment and win at the rate that you're winning at. And like you said, we're already in a seed here. Try to preserve that, but obviously don't keep that in mind. And, um, you know, cause it, you just don't want to, I'm in a don't jinx it mood right now. And I yeah. just want to continue to see what the squad's going to do. And I think we outlined last week what we thought the season was, and I just want to continue to see that being the plan. Well, real quick on rotations, I did think, and ultimately uh, even Finch said that they probably tried to go 11 and 12 deep too early, and I, I think that was a bit of a mistake, but we do have some guys on our bench that can play ball, no doubt about it. Um, and I don't, I don't know. It's it, 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 we'll, We'll get into a little bit more rotational stuff uh, maybe next week or the week after or something like that. But that's one of the things that stood out to me, and he's tightened that up a little bit. Kogi got in last week or last night only because um, Pat B was out. Um, But coming up, it's just offensive juggernaut. Yes. Portland is a winnable, more winnable game on the road now than it has been because Lillard's out. Now, do they still have good ass, you know, team, uh, you know, players? Hell yeah. Do they, they got some matchups that are really interesting for us, but you know, it, there's no must win or whatever, but that being that we gotta go against go at Gold, at Portland, at Gold State, at Phoenix, and then next Sunday, you know, come Monday, we'll be talking about these four games, Utah at home. That's rough because Golden State, Phoenix, Utah are the top three in the West, and they're looking real damn good. I suppose Memphis, you should we could sneak them in as well. Um, when I look at this stretch, Aaron, I look at like, can we get to two and two? Beat Portland on the road, whether it's in triple overtime or whatever, and get a game out of Golden State, Phoenix, or Utah. Get one of those games. If you go against basically what looks to be the top three in the West, like I said, Memphis, you're there. But if you get one of those and beat Portland, we're we're coming back next Monday, two and two out of that stretch, twenty five and twenty five. I'd be a pretty happy man. Yeah, I mean these are all tough games. I'm looking at it and I'm just like, okay, well, yeah, Lillard's out for the Blazers, but they're tough defensively. You're on the road. It's you know, they're always kind of a thorn in our side, no matter how good we are, they are. Um, we beat them a few times, but it's it's been tough. The Warriors, you know, we play well against them for some reason, but depending on who's on the court there, it's going to, you know, weigh out that game. So, you know, I think it's – the Suns obviously are, are a tough opponent, and the Jazz, they're always tough on us as well. So, like you said, these are four tough games, good litmus test to see where we're at. I mean, yeah, you don't have Memphis in there, but you – you have pretty much the top of the Western Conference. You're playing pretty well, and you want to come out and show that you at least can be competitive. Now, you don't want to, you know, be winless in those four games. Yeah. But, I mean, one and four, depending on who it is, is, is not a terrible thing as long as you're competitive and and they're, you know, close games and 
you're competing. Um, I think, you know, two of four is asking a lot, but possible you could get the Blazers. You might be able to get the Warriors or you could just get the Blazers and the Jazz. I think those are two winnable games. Um, the Warriors, if they're got their full lineup, it's going to be tough. But like I said, you always seem to play well. Ant seems to play well against them. And the Suns is tough too. I think that's a loss for sure, the Suns. But I like, I like us beating the Blazers and the Jazz in the next four. I think that's, that, that's possible. And you could maybe even steal one from maybe the Warriors. I mean, but that's awfully optimistic. Yeah, that's why I'm like, hey, I'll be, I think we'll be sitting pretty if we can get through that stretch two and two, man. I mean, I know that we've been playing better and all that, seven of the last ten and all that, but you know, there was a stretch in there that were a lot more winnable games. Now, they don't have Larry Nance Jr. or, well, Covington's day to day, so he might play tomorrow night, but Nance Jr.'s a pretty long type of guy that gives us minorly trouble because, as we know, rebounds and giving up offensive rebounds. You know, Vanderbilt, you know, like carries his water, carries his weight because of his offensive rebound, defense, versatility, and all that, just hustle in general. And now he's passing a lot more and finishing strong. But we still give up a lot of second-chance points, still give up a lot of offensive rebounds. But that's why, man, if we can come back next Monday – and be four and four, then you're looking at a Denver team who's always tough, no doubt, but you know, they're missing two of their top three players. And then Detroit, Detroit, Sacramento, Sacramento. Now all of a sudden you could look at that as a three and two possibly stretch out of those five. If we're lucky, four and one like the last stretch we had when it comes to this type of thing. And then, you know, it's basically like let's get to February first. You know what I mean? And get to Denver, and hopefully we can go 2-2. Two to two. Any more uh, Wolves-related stuff, sir, before we move on to our Golden Gophers? Now, let's just talk about Gophers. Now, I've been keeping a, a pretty good eye on the squad, and, you know, I thought the Michigan State loss was our tough loss because he played really well, and they're a good team. Um, Iowa is always Iowa. I mean, they're just going to elbow you and, beat you just kind of like their football team it's the same sort of fundamental type of thing where you got to have the bodies and you got to have the the attitude to beat them and at times the Gophers have but at this point we don't know get to the Rutgers game I didn't know what to think going in I thought you know Rutgers are playing decently well we've not played well in the Big Ten so I was surprised to see the win here yeah so was I especially when we're missing you know two well, really, with Curry, three. And thank goodness Curry just, well, I hate to use the word tweak in Minnesota, but at least it's a different sport. It's not the Vikings. We can't use the word tweak anymore for a while, even though we do when it's, you know, just for fun. But um, three out of the five starters out. That, I mean, that blows me away. And the co-player, Big Ten Player of the Week, uh, Peyton Willis, the two-time gopher, Eight three-pointers, 32 points, a career high. I didn't see that coming. Like you said, I definitely didn't. Another guy that's starting to show us a little something. He, he needs to get stronger. Um, he's not, you know, he's a seven-footer from good old Glenwood, Minnesota. That's where the water's from, right? Glenwood, that, that water company. Um, but uh, he had eight points, three for three, in 11 minutes, you know, coming into this game. And, you know, Charlie Daniels, who I think is like a super senior, if I remember correctly, he play, he's he been playing okay 
and he had six assists for a big man. That was pretty damn good. But Thompson, 10.6 boards, had a steal, had a block, uh, played 40 minutes. That's another thing. Well, we played two guys off the bench, Aaron. Yeah, they played six minutes total. We had two, three guys that played every single minute, and the other two starters, Sutherland and Daniels, played 37. But that Lowy hit some key shots uh, down the stretch as well, three from five from three. And, uh, you know, we didn't get to the damn free throw line hardly at all, but neither did them. It was a really weird game that way you know I kind of felt that but now I'm looking at it and I'm like holy shit like this has got to be three for three and three for four like that's got to be one of the lowest free throw that is weird Uh, we had a lot of turnovers that's what kind of kept them around Um, but it's hard to complain I I was so glad when we brought Willis back you know he was a good player early on but we were so guard heavy that it was hard to keep him so I understood why he went other places, but it's nice to have him back. And man, I didn't even mention, you know, the, uh, the seven assists as well. This guy has just hit the ground running, um, you know, since he's been back. It's fun to have a, a double gopher like that kind of crazy in this COVID stuff. Yeah. And you, you know, like I said, you don't have the big guy, uh, Jesus name escapes me at the, at the moment, but, uh, um, right. uh, no, nah, not Curry. The, the kid, what's his name? Oh yeah, I know. Sure, I forget yeah. his name. It'll come to me. But uh, like you said, it was gritty performance. It's like you got forty minutes out of three guys. Um, you don't expect to get thirty-two points, seven assists, and eight three-pointers from Peyton Willis. Although you do expect to get something from him. But you couldn't really afford to foul in this game. The refs helped you with that. I mean, you just didn't have a lot of players and come out and perform that way. I mean, you just want to think what they were talking about in the locker room before the game was just probably, you know, don't foul do <laughs> your stuff, you know, let's get through this one. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you catch a hot hand like that and, and it works out for you. But I like the, the Lowy kid. I thought he played uh, fairly well. The Thompson kid, you know, we need some more big men, but Jameson Battle is the name I was trying to think of. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's kind of a not, swing man. Yeah, and then, you know, uh, he's usual Minnesota kind of big man. I mean, you're not going to find, with the rare exception, you're not going to find these exceptional big men here because they go to other places. But, um, right. you know, you get, like you said, the the bench minutes were very, you got 37 <laughs> minutes, 40 minutes, 40 yeah. minutes, 37 minutes. You paid five guys, basically, and maybe gave the other few guys a breather, and that was it. And uh, you managed to win a game against a good opponent. Um, Obviously, you don't want to find yourself in the same situation again, but you might. And it's nice to know that if you got to play some guys 37, 40 minutes, that, that you can do that. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, no rest for the weary. We are going to get some guys back, though. That'll be good. Hopefully uh, no one had, like, a, a hard bout with COVID, um, so that keeps them out longer. But, you know, it is nice now we don't play to the 27th. So that gives us a little time there, but Ohio State, Wisconsin, and then Purdue. So by the time we speak again, it'll be Ohio State and Wisconsin, uh, both ranked teams. What is it, 16 and 11? Um, you know, this year it's hard to be like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna win two out of three, or you know, it's it's just a different year. The expectations are so low. 
I just I want to see, especially the guys that are going to be here for a couple of years, and then some freshmen. Not a lot of freshmen playing for obvious reasons, but well, except in this last game, I guess. But overall, uh, it's it the expectations are slow, so low, Aaron. I, I really just want to see the product on the court and how even if they're down 17 with 10 minutes to go, how do those they finish those games? You know. Yeah, you're going to need. Uh bodies coming down this stretch. You can't afford to go into this stretch here like you went into the last game. Wisconsin's tough. They'll beat the crap out of you. Purdue will do the same in Iowa, like we said earlier. And that's what they live on. So, And I don't know what's after that in Nebraska. Okay, so you get a little bit of a break. Nebraska-Penn State after that. Uh, but then you're Ohio State-Northwestern again. So, I mean, if you got to rest some people up, but you are not, you need the bodies at least for fouls in these next games. And uh Wisconsin's tough, man. Uh, I think that's kind of the mold we're trying to build our program in. And then Purdue is just a bunch of guys that are, you know, they're just always tough, always tough. Since we've been little, they've been tough, just a tough got team. Good guards. Got good a guards. Good starting center, and they'll have a backup that'll be the future center starter, you know? Yeah. So you're kind of stacked in this run here. Now, you, so it's good that you grabbed a win. Try to grab another one if you can. And, you know, like you said, we can't make a lot out of this season. Let's just kind of see where we're at, and hopefully you get to a place where uh, you have what you think is the core for next year, and, and that's kind of what you're at. But you got to survive a nice little stretch here, Chris. I mean, this Wisconsin-Purdue back-to-back thing is not is not fun. Yeah, and this is, uh, you know, some folks may be like, dude, you can't think that way. That's a loser's mentality, but it's like, I want. I actually want to try to make the NIT this year because if we get there, that's just another 48 minutes plus or 40 minutes plus that we'll get with the team. And like you said, some of those guys, you know, there's some guys that are going to be gone next year. I think three of them. But um, I, I do want to see that. I, I, if we could win a game in there, get another game, all, any kind of reps together and just implement his system. And like you said, it does feel like, it does kind of feel like we're trying to do the Wisconsin thing, much how we've been doing it in college football with the Gophers, and so much so that we want to build it because three out of their starting five and probably four out of their best five guys, Aaron, are from Minnesota on the Wisconsin Badgers court. So that pisses us off, but it does show you that uh, if you build a team with some depth and you build guys that will be here four and five years – you could just once you get it going, you could just keep keep rolling out experienced players, and then here and there, like they got a really good player this year. Uh, maybe in two years they'll get another one, but they're not putting many first rounders in the draft. But we know even if they get off the crappy starts, the Badgers they tend to tighten up, and next thing you know they're in fifth place in the Big Ten. Not this year they're really good, but yeah, man, that it is one of those uh, seasons that just like kind of finding little things to latch on to for next year. Yeah, and speaking of that, like I was kind of skeptical of the Ben Johnson hiring and all that. I just didn't know where I stood on it, but after the press conference after the uh, Rutgers game, I'm pretty much I'm pretty much on board. I think this is a good deal here. I think uh good things are coming uh with the program and I just think, you know, just be patient. This is as PJ Fleck would say year 0. And, uh, you know, I think 
they picked a good coach. I think just that hold on and let him put his squad together. I've, I've, I'm on the Ben Johnson bandwagon now. So I think that's a, a good thing for the future. And I just think, you know, just like with Fleck and the, and the football squad, I think just gotta, you know, let it do its thing. Let him recruit, let him get the players in that he wants. And like you said, we got to start closing the borders, you know, for, to Wisconsin yeah. and Iowa. If you can do that, you know, if you get the blue chippers are going to go to Gonzaga or, wherever it is that they go, but you right. got to get that second tier locked down. And I think that's basically what Ben Johnson's trying to do is like, you get the next kids then and you fill a roster with them and you hopefully succeed with that. You got to get the kids from Glenwood is what you got to do. No, um, no, you're right though. It's true. And that the Minnesota, like when you look back at us in high school, Minnesota basketball was just starting to get going um, as far as national. It was just starting to be like, oh, yeah, hey, oh, he went there, and he went, there. oh, wow, that's pretty good, rather than just a handful of players in the last, you know, 20, 30 years uh, prior to, you know, us following the team. But, um, yeah, man, Minnesota, actually, if you look at the top 20, 30 players or whatever, and you see it every tournament, too. You see, like, six, seven players that are just solid, solid players, you know, so hopefully – like you mentioned, we got to close those borders. Any last words, sir, before we shut this puppy down? Nope. It seems like both teams got a tough stretch ahead, and I think we'll get to see what they're made of in the next week, and we'll try to explain it and talk to you about it next week. All right. We'll be back next Monday. That's it for Living in Loserville. It wasn't Loserville this week. Peace.